Kamala Harris is gracing the cover of Vogue, but the magazine has faced backlash. Sarah Jessica Parker is addressing the drama over the Sex and the City cast disliking Kim Cattrall. And we've got BuzzFeed's David Mack here to explain all of the internet sleuthing occurring, from gays over COVID to the FBI asking for help identifying the people who stormed the Capitol. It's January 11th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Casey, how was your weekend? What did you do? Um, well, I had all the hopes and desires in the world to finally do my paint by number that I bought back in March. <laughs> but I had one speed bump, which is that I was missing like one tool. And so I was like, oh, darn, guess I can't do it today. And I packed it all away. <laughs> So that was my weekend. Casey, I feel like you're like two steps away from being a golden girl. Like you're like over here painting by numbers. I am a golden No, I, my friends know this. I have said this. I know I will thrive in a senior home, like a senior living community, you know, like sign me up. I can't wait. You're like, end of life is the time to have a kiki. I'm obsessed. Well, you know, speaking of that, I watched the new Fran Lebowitz doc or series on Netflix called Pretend It's a City. Mm, how was it? It's amazing because she's also, you know, an elder queer person like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a reflecting you. on the city. So it made me miss <laughs> New York a lot. And that's all I'll say because it just came out. But people should watch it. You should watch it. She is an icon, queer icon and just general icon. I love her so much. Okay, but is it going to make me like miss gay bars? 100%. And I've been watching Looking for some, uh-huh. which I don't like Looking, everyone. I'm not a big fan of HBO's Looking. And I'm watching that because I miss gay bars. So, you know... <laughs> It's, I get it. I get it, Casey. We want to go drinking. <laughs> All right. Well, first up, Vogue is receiving backlash over their cover featuring Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. In the two covers, Harris is wearing a suit, one black and one powder blue, and her signature Chuck Taylors. But people are saying that not only is that styling not worthy of the first Black woman who's been elected Veep, but that the way Vogue shot her washes out her skin tone. According to Today, Harris styled herself and the suits were picked by her and her team, but this isn't the first time Vogue's received backlash over how they've shot a person of color for their cover. Back in July, Vogue received criticism over how they shot Olympic gymnast Simone Biles. So Casey, what were your thoughts seeing this cover what was it, yesterday, Sunday, or Saturday? Yeah, you know what? I, I get what people are saying about, like, saying that she's, like, underdressed. Like, maybe it feels, like, more like a Time cover than a Vogue cover. So I get that. But that does not surprise me at all that she styled herself and that her suits were picked by her. They saw the traction that she was getting from wearing her chucks. Like, they saw it. That's, like, what they want her vibe to be. So I, like, understand why they went in that direction and were probably like, this is what we're doing. But maybe they should have been like, Vogue, what do you think? <laughs> Like, Vogue, give us some input. But, you know, what happens here, Vogue is usually very in control of these covers, but there are sometimes high-profile people that they allow to have more control. Beyonce was one of them, and Beyonce picked Tyler Mitchell, who's the same photographer who shot Kamala Harris. Uh, But Beyonce is Beyonce, and everything she does is brilliant. Kamala's from the reporting sounds like she loved the blue suit picture, did not like the other one they picked. And no one knows why they picked this other one. It is, you know, I have been a magazine editor in the past. I do not understand why they picked this. It is not a cover. The blue suit is a cover photo, just how it's framed. Everything is beautiful, stunning. And even the photographer, Tyler Mitchell, didn't post the cover on his own Instagram. He only posted the blue suit. So there's some drama unfolding there, which I I love. I love a little low stakes media tea happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Okay, so moving on, some other tea with, that was happening on the internet. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is responding to comments that the Sex and the City cast doesn't like Kim Cattrall. You know, the story is old this time. <laughs> so the questions over Cattrall came up because three of the original cast members all posted teasers on their social media for And Just Like That, which is the new chapter in the Sex and the City saga, which also I did not know what was happening. I was very surprised. But anyways, Samantha Cattrall's character was noticeably absent from the teasers. Cottrell has said she wouldn't appear in sequels, and there's been beef between her and former cast members. In response to rumors that the cast didn't like each other, Sarah Jessica Parker responded to a comment on her Instagram announcement saying, quote, no, I don't dislike her. I've never said that, never would. Samantha isn't part of this story, but she will always be a part of us, no matter where or what we do. Okay. I am a huge <laughs> fan of Sex and the City. I don't, Casey, are you as well? We have not talked about this. I, I actually am not because I didn't watch it growing up. And so then when I did start watching it, all I see is the problematic things like the yes. back-to-back episodes I saw about bisexuals and yes. then dating a black man. Yep, it's, it's bad. <laughs> all the transphobic stuff they do and uh-huh, how they treat uh-huh, their gay characters. Uh-huh. It's awful. It's yeah. abysmal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I so love no, it. I, I didn't grow up being a fan, <laughs> but I understand people who did grow up with it. I, I'm obsessed with it. You know, growing up watching it, we always heard that Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall's characters are people, them as people, do not like each other and they faked it as mm. characters. So this is not a surprise to me. But where I do side with Kim Cattrall is that they do not need to do this. I'm excited. I will watch. But mm-hmm. why do we need... We can just rewatch the old episodes if we want. I do not need a new version of Sarah Jessica Parker or Carrie Bradshaw wearing a mask and making it Chanel. I really don't need no. it. No. We definitely don't need this. And it's also bothering me when she's like, we don't dislike her. Samantha's just not a part of the story. And I'm like, bullshit. I don't know yeah. a lot about this show but i do know that it's the four of them the four not the three so that's bullshit (laughs) like samantha jones is one is probably like behind carrie bratchell the most important character for me in the show like she drives the humor the comedy the plot everything she is the sex in the title so i'm confused I'm just confused. So this is all a lie to me. I will say there was one quote I saw. I don't know where it's from, but it was from Cottrell. And she said, you know what? I'm not spending time doing anything that doesn't make me happy to that to that extent, you know, and I'm like, good, good. Same, same. It's a pandemic. If this doesn't bring you joy, don't do it. If it does not spark joy, move on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this Sex and the City drama was a much-needed distraction for lots of people over the weekend, which, you know, was otherwise spent by many reading about the 25th Amendment, examining timelines for a possible second impeachment, and following along as the internet unmasked the identities of the domestic terrorists who stormed the Capitol one by one. You know, typical stuff in 2021. And Zach, okay, I know we've already talked about this, but the FBI has openly asked the public for help on IDing rioters. And it seems like it might be working. And that's maybe because people have gotten a lot of practice over the past year. Oh, for sure. You know, over the past year, we've seen a surge of accounts pop up that serve the sole purpose of identifying people flaunting social distancing rules. A lot of them initially focused on naming and shaming the so-called Karens refusing to wear masks in Trader Joe's. But in recent weeks, we've seen more dedicated to identifying those who have straight up returned to partying, pandemic be damned, and specifically locked in on the gay community. To give us the inside scoop on all the internet detectives, we're talking to David Mack, Deputy Director of Breaking News at BuzzFeed News. He wrote the piece, Meet the Guys Exposing Other Gay Men Partying During the Pandemic. Hi, David. Good afternoon. Hey, guys. Long time no speak. 
Long time no speak. And I'm so excited because I have been following this this account forever. So I just want to dive right on into these questions if you're ready. Um, so David, to start us off, can you explain what these accounts are, the gays over COVID, and when you first started noticing the trend online? So these are like what people are calling COVID vigilante accounts, right? Where people are anonymous users behind them are sort of scouring people's Instagram stories and Facebook locations and even their Venmo history to try to sort of pinpoint where people are going for big gatherings or parties or things like that. And then what they're doing is they're exposing them and tagging them in pictures and posts and telling their followers, you know, don't go near this person who works at this facility or this hospital or this gym. You should all be aware that this person has been sort of flouting social distancing. Uh, and basically then the comments roll in. Some people start calling that person's employer. Some people, they go to that person's account and start shaming them. Uh, yeah. So it's a real kind of, it's been, as you said, it's been going on for a month or a couple of months or so, but it's really picked up in the holiday season where we were kind of looking at people going on big trips to, uh, Mexico or to uh, Brazil or just in the U S and there was a lot of content content flowing, that's for sure. Oh yeah, a lot, a lot of content. And you actually talked to one of the people behind one of these pages. What did he have to say to you about his motivation in starting the page? I believe it was Boston, the Boston version of Gays Over COVID. I talked to two actually, two two accounts. Uh, yeah, there was the the sort of local one that was focusing on Boston, and then one that was called uh, the Gay Rona. Uh, quite a name there. Uh, but basically, they're just saying that you know part of them is kind of just sort of a bit disappointed in these people's behavior, and they want to sort of shine a light on best practices and try to prevent uh, people from who might be considering doing something like this from doing the same thing. But also it's just about accountability. According to these people, they want to make sure that these people who are building up sort of social capital uh, in their Instagram followings, many of these are people that have tens or hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. Uh, they want to hold them accountable for their actions, which I think is, is a, you know, that word accountability we're seeing a lot lately. So we do need to talk about one of the most high profile incidents of this social shaming. It's a nurse who contracted COVID who you actually interviewed as well. What happened there? So I interviewed this nurse whose name is Mike Schultz back in May. Now he went to a party at the start of the year in March, right when sort of COVID was sort of just becoming a scary thing in a oh, start of last year, I should say. Uh, and he went, he contracted COVID at this party in Miami along with a bunch of other people, some of whom who died of, of COVID as a result of attending that party. And he shared this viral pic back in May where he was quite, a, he's quite a muscular guy. And he shared a before and after pic of what he looked like after six weeks of being intubated in the hospital in a coma and he'd lost all his weight. He was very gaunt and he was just saying to everybody, you need to take this seriously. This is a real thing. Uh, and then in the last sort of few weeks, there were a couple of sort of screenshots floating around where he, that Mike had indicated that he was getting ready potentially to go to Mexico for New Year's Eve to a big party. Uh, and this is someone who had had about $20,000 raised for him on GoFundMe. And uh, he'd also sort of given a kind of applause on social media to someone who had called COVID survival of the fittest and, you know, telling everybody to sort of calm down and stop, you know, shaming other gay men that were going on these trips. Uh, so, I was able to to speak with Mike again via text message. He didn't want to speak to me on the phone, but he did tell me over text message that he didn't end up going to Mexico. Uh, and he also sort of told me that he'd been sort of targeted for harassment by these people and that they'd called up his employer and they'd tried to get him fired. They'd even sent him death threats as a result of this. 
Wow, that is so, so intense. You know, a lot of this resulted into what looked like a manhunt online to find out who was behind Gays Over COVID. I think people were offering $500 <laughs> to find this person. So what what was this, uh, what were people trying to do in essence? Were they trying to fight back and dox people back? Like what kind of cycle has this kind of inspired? You're part? right. I think the person who offered the reward called it a, a witch hunt, mm. uh, and, which is a phrase we're used to hearing from the president, not gay men <laughs> taking, not gay men taking trips. Yeah. That's right. Not these circuit queens. Um, but I think, yeah, you're right. Like there was pushback from uh, some of these people who are going to these parties who don't like, you know, being exposed and who don't like being shamed. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of gay men who are arguing that these are gay men who are being criticized for a behavior that a lot of straight people are doing as well. They're just not, there's not really a straights over COVID account, is there? It's just that sort of gay men, uh, the gay men that I spoke to behind these accounts sort of told me that they're, they're proud to hold their community to a high standard and that we kind of and this community the lgbtq community is a sort of small tight-knit community that looks after their own and that comes with accountability as well we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're talking about how internet sleuths are helping the fbi id capital rioters Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then, thousands of survivors have come forward. Now, I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast, me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. When you first get there, you have to experience girls screaming, locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping. And you're like, where am I? Holy heck, this is not what I expected. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia, Kid Ink, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with David Mack about online sleuthing and shaming. So you were working on this story prior to the attempted coup at the Capitol, with the FBI now asking Americans for their help in IDing people who participated, and were just able to walk away. What can you tell us about what they found out? 
You're right. Uh, I was working on this, and I had to sort of put it put it to the side. For the, I think I said sorry, everybody. The coup attempt kind of got me a little busy last week, but I was able to get the story out. And it, you're right. There are kind of some similarities here, where so much of what we saw last week on Wednesday was broadcast on social media. Right? We've seen there were thousands of people involved in what happened at the Capitol building. So many tweets, so many videos, and the FBI is sort of has begun the process of scouring through that stuff. Now, a lot of the most uh, viral clips and images and the people in those uh, were um, people online immediately set about trying to identify. And in some cases, it took not long at all because some of these people actually spoke to the media and gave them their full names as well. So uh, that didn't take long. But the FBI did sort of tweet a, a, a thing the other day saying they were calling for people who may have incited violence and to, you know, to send information along. And a lot of people obviously responded with pictures of the president himself. Mm, yep. <laughs> what What's the biggest difference in approach you've seen when it comes to gaze over COVID versus the investigations for the coup attempt? I cannot believe we are talking about these two. At I know. The same I was trying time. not to laugh while saying all those things but, in one sentence. But this is peak BuzzFeed. This is why BuzzFeed exists. It's this intersection. I think. I think it makes sense also because. At the end of the day, uh, we're talking about accountability, right? And that's a word I just use. What does that mean to people, right? What does accountability mean? And it looks different, obviously, in both uh, scenarios. On the one hand, of course, we're talking about federal crimes, right? So these are serious federal crimes. In, in many cases, we're possibly looking at sedition charges, which is a, a charge that we do not get very often in this country. Uh, th these are People will be held responsible and people will be going to jail for this as a result of this. Uh, and things that have really destabilized uh, American government and American democracy. Uh, and so accountability for something like that looks like the justice system, right? It looks like going to jail and getting your day in court. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, with the case over COVID, it, it's about accountability in a much different way, right? It's about looking at people who have built a following for themselves and built up this sort of cultural capital, which in some ways does translate to economic capital as well, right? A lot of these influencers get a lot of money as a result of their um, status online. Uh, and about saying to them, well, if you're going to hold yourself up in this way in our community, we're going to expect a lot of you. One person I spoke to from the story described these people as a kind of like gay royalty, in some ways self-appointed, but like gay royalty, right? And the idea that these are people in the community who hold themselves in a very high stature. So if you're going to hold yourself up there, we're going to hold you to a high standard. And David, you know, a lot of this is coming about in the wake of a summer of protests around George Floyd. And a lot of the conversation this summer was about defunding the police. And I've seen a lot of memes, people saying, you know, when we say defund the police, we mean the, the cop that's in your head too. But it feels like a lot of what people are doing, are, they're acting kind of like cops and are investigators. Is that kind of what the conversation's talking about online? Are you seeing that come up with the, the debate around gays over COVID? Certainly, uh, the online space is rife with sort of, uh, shall we say, self-appointed investigators in any facility, right? People are always got a lot of time on themselves, their hands and want to help, especially when we're all stuck at home in a pandemic and want to sort of do their bit to try to sort of identify wrongdoers. And of course, people's perception of what is wrongdoing will change from person to person. I think that's the key thing here, right? People, some people are going to dedicate themselves to uh, exposing uh, sort of COVID safety breaches and other people are going to dedicate themselves to uh, exposing insurrectionists. Uh, it's a kind of, uh, this is just where we are in 2021 now, right? <laughs> 
So all of these things tie into one overarching trend, the growing popularity of using social media to police people. What's the good and bad of this? And can we call this activism? Gosh, uh, that's a big question. Uh, I would say that you've got to remember with these things that like due process comes, especially when you're talking about uh, charges, right? There's a reason why uh, even though we have these photos of these guys, uh, you know, stealing the podium or standing on the dais in the, in the Senate chamber, right. That journalists still have to use words like allegedly and things like that, because until under our system of government and democracy and justice system, you are innocent until proven guilty. So you got to be careful still. And also when we've seen in the past, like think back to, uh, the Boston bombing, what can happen when people do this in a way that's irresponsible and blame the wrong people. And, that's probably the most dangerous thing that can happen when people sort of think that they're doing good, but actually identify the wrong people. And that can have severe effects on people's lives. Yeah, it can, it could get people facing lots of violence. It could get people in so much trouble. So, you know, you do have to be careful with this because I mean, David, you oversee the breaking news team. I'm sure you see every day fake news just blaring across Twitter really quickly. Out of you really got to make sure to get your facts right, essentially, to verify facts, to double to triple check things before you accuse anyone of any wrongdoing. That's for sure. And that is our Sunday school uh, chapter with David. (laughs) (laughs) Little little Sunday. I am making the sign of the cross now. You are welcome. Uh, It felt very spiritual to hear for some reason today. (laughs) Well, David, thank you so much for joining us today and for your reporting on this deeply important topic of gays with a COVID. Thank you, Zach and Casey. Appreciate it. All right. That's it for today. Remember to join us tomorrow. And remember, Samantha Jones is the sex of Sex and the City. So will the new sequel simply just be The City? Gives you something to think about. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 
Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast.